Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. Welcome back in on a Wednesday. It's the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Thank you, as always, for making the podcast a part of your day. Brought to you by LBs, just across from Kroger on University Avenue. Go by and see Greg and tell him we at Super Talk sent you. LBs is the best place in Mississippi to get your meat. Don't forget, they've got daily lunch specials every single workday of the week. And also, they are open seven days a week, so get something for behind the grill or get something during your lunch break. That's LBs, just across from Kroger on University Avenue in Oxford. And as I start recording, this news is is kind of breaking um, right now. And it's not related to Ole Miss. It's not related to the SEC. But this goes to show you that the SEC's approach that was criticized by most everybody nationally and the Big Ten's approach that was praised by most everybody nationally, uh, it should have been the opposite. It quite simply should have been the opposite. And we talked about it here on this podcast. We talked about it on the radio show and in other places. Um, the approach that the Big Ten took was always destined to fail, was exclusively destined to fail. And we've learned already today after one week that this is going to be the case. Breaking news, I'm reading from CBS, but it's all over. Uh, Wisconsin has paused all team-related activities for at least seven days due to an elevated number of COVID cases within the program. As a result, their game on Saturday against Nebraska has been canceled and will not be made up. A release from the university states that a total of 12 people within the program have tested positive in the last five days. Six student-athletes and six staff members. Uh, Three quarterbacks involved in that. Three quarterbacks involved in that, including the starter who just lit everybody and their brother up on Friday night. So that's the point here. And that's the biggest problem with the Big Ten's thing. This was inevitable. And it's most egregious that they're out for 21 days mandatory before they can play again. We all knew this was coming. We knew this was coming. It was going to happen this way. And it's already happened after one week. And that game now, because the Big Ten decided to do whatever the hell you call what they did, because they decided to try to play eight games in eight weeks, and because they decided to try to be the, the, the smartest people in the room and they failed doing that, when they didn't build in make-up dates or bye weeks into, into their schedule, because they dragged their feet, here's where they are. Wisconsin and Nebraska have a game that will not be made up. It will not be made up. It's not possible. So, this goes to show that even though I've kind of ripped on the SEC for the thing back in the summer and then the officiating, they got their COVID schedule exactly right. They nailed it, and the Big Ten didn't. Um, I feel bad. Uh, for Wisconsin, I feel bad for Nebraska and, and these Big Ten players. Um, their leadership failed. And, I mean, the season's getting derailed already. I mean, that's what's going on here. Their, their season is off the rails. And maybe they'll be able to play. Uh, I hope, I certainly hope they can. But when Kevin Warren and the Big Ten 
when they decided after like six days after they released a schedule, six days after they released a schedule, give or take, um, they just blew it all up and started over and it was a failure. Today, what was happening right now to them was inevitable. And even though I, um, I couldn't stand the way Greg Sankey handled the, the thing this summer, and I think the SEC's approach to this call and the Lane Kiffin fine thing has been a bad one. They deserve credit for how they handled this because the SEC is in the middle of their season. So far, they've had some disruptions, but because of the bye weeks and stuff in the schedule, they've been able to navigate through it. And this weekend, knock on wood, this weekend every game is scheduled to be played right now. And it sounds like they're all going to be played as we sit here on this Wednesday morning. The SEC got this right. The Big Ten failed despite what everybody nationally tried to tell you. Despite what everybody said nationally. Um, They got it right. They absolutely got it right. And they deserve some credit for that. That's why their season's getting played, and that's why the Big Ten is in scramble mode today. So that news just broke. I wasn't prepared to talk about that, uh, but that just kind of came across my timeline, and um, we knew this was going to happen. Uh, We absolutely knew this was going to happen, and here it is. I mean, it's not like this was hard to predict, but uh, the the people with the egg on their face, of course, is leadership of the Big Ten, but the national media that, that tried to convince everybody, because most of them have Northwestern degrees, that the Big Ten was doing this the right way. And they absolutely did not do this the right way, and here here we are. Here we are. The dumb, stupid, uneducated, immoral South is playing a football season safely with periods of time in between just to make sure uh, that they could play a season and get it done right. We're just the, the dumb Southerners, though. Just the dumb Southerners. Anyway, a couple of things I wanted to get to with you. First, did you guys see this college game day story? I know most of you did. Uh, the Masters is here in a couple of weeks, and we got the release yesterday. It was something I talked about back in the summer, just an idea that we threw out there as something cool that I think they would do. And um, we talked about it on the radio show some, and the reaction from the other guys, and myself included, it wasn't something that like I got right. I just never thought, and they never thought, that Augusta National was going to be willing to do something like this. Uh, I didn't. I threw out the idea because I thought it would, would be cool, but then also it's like, well, there's no way in hell they do that. There's no way the prestigious and wonderful and amazing Augusta National was ever going to allow this to happen. Was never going to allow this to happen. And yet here we are. I love this idea. Do you like it or hate it? I I love this idea myself, personally. I know it. I saw some people yesterday say that it just doesn't make sense and college football's not on a golf course. Um, I think the Augusta National in the Masters Tournament kind of need this. Um, as crazy as that sounds, I know they're going to print money regardless. It's golf's premier event, especially here in the States. But um, non-football sports viewership is way, way down. Football's actually doing very, very well. A story at the early part of the NFL season was their numbers are down. They're just fine. They're actually very satisfied in an election year with how their viewership is looking. 
they're very, very, very satisfied with it because election year numbers are typically always down, but in college football is very strong as well. But across the board, sports viewership is way down. And now that the Masters will be on a football weekend, you know that their viewership numbers are going to be way down. So if nothing else, using college game day as an opportunity for cross-promotion makes a metric ton of sense for Augusta National, for everybody involved. Um, I kind of think they need this. And this is a, a bit of a hot take, but I think this is Augusta National admitting that they're expecting some viewership decline. And ESPN and Disney and I guess CBS as well because they're kind of tied together when it comes to college football and and the Masters um, have decided that doing this uh, would be a very good thing for promotion of the tournament. Uh, They mentioned in the release that they're looking for a different audience. Um, I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think they want to remind an audience of sports fans that, hey, the tournament's going on this weekend. And so having Kirk Herbstreet sit with the par three course behind him and all of the B-roll that they're going to have from Augusta is going to get the football fan to maybe put that on on Saturday and Sunday. Um, I think they need to do this. This isn't a desperation move, but I think in their mind, they know that the trends have been so bad. Non-football sports viewership, because of everything being condensed and, and all that good stuff, um, has caused them uh, to make an untraditional or non-traditional uh, decision, and that's letting College Game Day, a football show, be on their grounds. I think it's a win for everybody involved. 2020 is obviously a very unique year. You guys have heard that on every commercial that you have to see. Um, you, you've heard that. So why not embrace uh, the uniqueness of the situation? I mean, why not? I, I think it's worth worth doing. Um, they, they, ought, they need Lee Corso putting on a Hogan cap as he picks Bryson DeChambeau to win the Masters. Like, I need I need to see that. Um, I think that would be awesome. Uh, I doubt they'll actually have him there. They haven't had him on site all year. Um, for COVID concerns and, and his health, uh, they haven't had him travel. So I, I doubt they're going to see him here. But if they can find a way to get Vern Lundquist on the set and, and do things like that, I think it's a win for everybody. I think it's a move that shows that they're possibly a little worried about viewership being locked in uh, alongside of a football weekend because football of course is king in this country as as you guys know and it dominates viewership going up against football is very very bad for everybody literally everybody you you'll never beat it and so i think this is kind of an admission of hey we need a little help this year uh but i love it i think it's a great idea i'm excited to see it i'm a masters nerd i uh, i know everything about the the course i used to be able to recite i still could probably do it um and draw out the course map i used to be able to draw out the course map of augusta national um and uh, like i could sit here and tell you like where the bunkers are and what kind of green it is and everything so i'm a huge nerd and i'm excited to see that crossover but I think deep down, like I, like I keep saying, this is a move of an admission that they need help this year. Um, but I love it, and uh, maybe you guys do as well. All right, a couple of old Miss things. I know it's taken me uh, 11 minutes, 11 minutes and 30 seconds to get to the old Miss stuff today. Forgive me for that. Um, an observation. I've seen this uh, in a couple of places, so not exactly unique to me, but... Um, 
hidden behind all of the uh, the Lane Kiffin tweet storm that made all kinds of waves um, over the last couple of days. Everybody talking about Lane Kiffin and uh, his tweets and going after the SEC and stuff like that. Um, I don't even know if this is why he did it. Maybe it's just because it's his personality. But um, as a uh, friend of the program, Zach Barry, pointed out, um, Ole Miss players loved it. Uh, they, they absolutely loved it. Um, and because of that, I think, on top of just being funny and having the coach of a 1-4 football team, your 1-4 football team, uh, be on the forefront of, of national news, which is pretty remarkable. I mean, Lane Kiffin ha- has made more, uh, brought more attention on Ole Miss this week after his fourth loss in five games than you've seen in the past three seasons related to Ole Miss and, and who was coaching them. So he's obviously a guy that's going to bring attention to your program. But beyond that, even if it wasn't on purpose, uh, the way that his players reacted to this uh, will pay dividends for him and, and pay dividends for, for Ole Miss and, and the program and the team moving forward. I think it's big time, uh, the reaction that you got. It's, um, it's just another example of why I think you, the, the program made the right decision. I mean, they, they saw a coach that has their back, just got fined $25,000. I know that's not even 1% of his salary, but twenty five k is twenty five k. I don't care how much money you're making. twenty five k for anybody. I, I hate when people do the that's only 1% of their salary kind of comparisons because obviously twenty five k is different for Kiffin than me, but it's still $25,000. It's a lot of money. And even after he gets fined, he continues to go on social media and do what he does. And his players took to that, and, and a lot of them I saw, because they were all retweeted, by again, by my buddy Zach. Um, all of them were, man, Coach is crazy. Like, this is so funny. I love Coach. Like, he's got our – like, all that kind of stuff. The, this is the kind of thing that I think builds character and chemistry within your program, and they're going to use this in recruiting. Hey, look uh, – you know, hey, we got screwed on Saturday by a bad call, and guess what our coach did? Our coach took to social media after he got fined and kept sticking up for his guys and his program and his fans. That means something. I, how much? I don't know. But I think that does matter, and it does mean something um, in this case. I think it matters. And we got asked uh, yesterday uh, if we thought that Kiffin was going to get fined again. Um, I don't think the SEC wants to go down that road, and, and here's why. Maybe, I, maybe I'm completely off base uh, and dead wrong here, but I think uh, the SEC is going to just levy that one fine that they gave them, just the one, and, um, and that be it. Because right now, so far, the news cycle is, well, the people kind of, you know, you had mostly just social media reaction. A lot of people that cover the sport, though, including Dan Wolken. And, and if Dan Wolken's defending Ole Miss, you know you really messed up. Um, but most people just thought, oh, it's ridiculous that you're fining him for saying the same thing that you said and all that stuff. That's all it was. But if you levy another fine for his social media uh, after the fine came down, then it becomes a story. Then it becomes a news cycle. Then it becomes a thing. 
And maybe it doesn't matter, you know, because you've got a network that uh, will certainly never say negative things about you. Um, and a radio show that won't say anything negative about you because, you know, that's where they draw the paycheck from. Um, that, that airs on your television station. But So maybe you don't really care about press coverage. But if you find Lane Kiffin again, I think it would become a, an actual story. It would become a cycle. You'd have columns written. You've had debate shows talking about it. Should the SEC have fined Lane Kiffin again? Or they were wrong here for doing it because he was right. And you'd get all that. So I think they're done here. I could be dead wrong. I think they're done here, though, because fining him again would only bring um, more attention on them. And the story's kind of already passed. I mean, we're talking today, this morning, the stories are about Wisconsin. And the Big Ten season, that's kind of what's happening here, is that. Um, that's It's kind of moved on. And so, if that's going to be the case, uh, then if they find him again, they would come back in the news. And I don't think they want to do that. Maybe I'm overthinking that, but I don't expect another one to come down. But that is um, $125,000 now that the SEC will get from Ole Miss this year because of not following mask protocol or something like that, and then Lane Kiffin tweeting the exact same thing that the SEC said. But the players did like it, and so I think that does matter to some degree uh, that they got to see their coach have their back, and they acknowledged as much on social media. And we turn the page to uh, the game this weekend. Um, Vanderbilt on Saturday, uh, like I said, I think it was uh, on Monday night's recording, that Derek Mason did say that if the game uh, was to be played today, that they would have enough numbers. We don't know for sure what Vanderbilt's COVID situation is at the moment. However, um, they did; they are practicing. It does seem to um, everybody seems to believe that this game is is going to go on as scheduled. I know the SEC certainly wants this game to get played, and so if Vanderbilt has fifty three or more guys, they're going to play this game for whatever that may be worth uh, to you. And as I said on Saturday, Vanderbilt is a uh, a perfect spot on this schedule for, uh, for Ole Miss. Uh, I think that um, they needed this one to appear here. Because even though I had somebody on the Sunday show remind me that Ole Miss has kind of struggled with Vanderbilt in recent history, they have won five of seven, but I never look at games that way. I think looking at games on that kind of spectrum is a waste of time. I think that only does um, that only creates storylines that like aren't really there. Well, Ole Miss has really struggled with Vanderbilt since 2009 or whatever. So you know, look for Vanderbilt to play this game close. I don't buy into stuff like that. I don't think it matters. Uh, I don't think Ole Miss lost to Auburn because Gus owns Ole Miss or, or whatever. I think Ole Miss lost to Auburn because they shot themselves in the foot and an egregious officiating mistake at the end really sealed it for them. It has nothing to do with Gus Malzahn and Ole Miss because everything is different now. The same thing here. Yes, Vanderbilt had Ole Miss's number uh, a while ago. and uh, like Looking at the 2018 game, for ex- or not 2018, i got to do this again. Um Was it 2018? I don't remember. Uh, This is a good podcast here, uh, looking up Winsipedia. Yeah, it was 2018. 
That was when A.J. Brown got a touchdown pass that um, officials just said wasn't a touchdown reception, even though um, it, it was. It just simply was. But um, everything is different between that game and now. I mean, literally everything. So if you're one of those people, and I don't think many of you are, it has no bearing on this game whatsoever. Just because Vanderbilt won in 2018 and 2016 and then beat you three times in a row... Uh, from 10 to 12, um, it doesn't matter here. It doesn't make any bit of a difference uh, on this game. Everything is different, and I have actually watched Vanderbilt a couple of times this year, and they're historically bad. Uh, they had a bunch of opt-outs going into the season. You know they're dealing with this COVID issue. They're not very good on either side of the ball. Their receivers are big, but not particularly talented. I think Seals, the quarterback's okay. Uh, I think... Um, Especially for a freshman on a team that has no talent around him. I think uh, he flashes at times of being a pretty good quarterback. He's just a true freshman on a team that has absolutely no talent around him whatsoever. Vanderbilt averages eight points per game right now as an offense. It is uh, a very bad football team. Ole Miss doubles them up in yards per game. They double them up in passing yards per game and rushing yards per game. Ole Miss is a significantly better football team, even at one and four than Vanderbilt is uh, to them. No amount of history or anything uh, will make me think otherwise about this game. This very much is a get right. You can call it that. Put it in quotes. I like to name weekends and name games. This is a get right game for Ole Miss. Perfect uh, appearance on the schedule from Vanderbilt. Uh, Absolutely perfect appearance on the schedule from Vanderbilt. Um, And they need this one. I think Matt Corral needs this one. Um... Only just to continue, because I think he played well on Saturday. I really do. I think him being taken out of the game in key spots was bad. His QBR was very good. He ran the football well, didn't force things. But this is the kind of game where he can really start building confidence back up, where he can throw for a million yards and a bunch of touchdowns like he did the first three weeks and really get right. This is a get-right game, uh, hopefully, for the wide receivers who have had a drop problem. Kenny Yeboah... Uh, especially, as well as Jonathan Mingo last couple of games has had uh, a drop problem. It's a get-right game for them because nobody on Vanderbilt can cover these guys. Nobody at all. Um, it's a get-right. It's a very important game for Ole Miss defensively, especially from a confidence perspective. I think Ole Miss has played better on that side of the ball the last couple of weeks, especially with having starters out and contributors out uh, because of COVID, but they've played better the last couple of weeks, in part because they haven't seen as good of offenses. But if you've seen Kentucky lately, um, that game would go differently if they played today. And Kentucky is the exact same team. They gave up a billion yards rushing against Kentucky. I don't think that would happen again. They are improving on that side of the ball. And this game especially can help build some confidence as a defense and give you even more opportunities to get better and uh, shut a team down that has actually comparable talent to you on that side of the ball for the first time uh, this year. And uh, I especially liked um, the flashes that you saw from Miles Battle, uh, the wide receiver that they moved over to that side of the ball. He's a big-bodied guy. He's a good athlete, just for whatever reason, hasn't cracked the rotation at wide receiver. Um, Somebody showed me a tweet of his that said, hey, maybe he's, or maybe I've got a knack for this defensive back thing. I think he might be right. I would like to see uh, Miles battle more in that spot because maybe that's where his future lies. He's athletic enough. Um, 
just hasn't cracked the receiver rotation. So give him a shot there. Maybe he can, uh, that can be his football future. And uh, I would like to see more of that. Vanderbilt's a bad football team. And, and this is a game going into the bye week before you play another bad football team in South Carolina um, that a lot of things can get right if they just execute and play their game. They will win and win comfortably. Uh, so I think it's an important game for Corral, like I said, just to keep building his confidence back up after the Arkansas game. It's really important for the wide receivers to catch the football this week. Uh, and then confidence building on defense. They're getting a couple of guys back now. Um, they should be able to get some reps for a lot of people in this one. I expect a blowout. I feel bad for Derek Mason and Vanderbilt and uh, what is it, Kenny Seals or Kevin Seals? I don't even know the kid's first name. Ken Seals, yeah. Um, He's shown flashes of being a pretty good player, though. I think he'll uh, end up being okay, depending on who the new coach is there. But um, it's just one of those games uh, where, I mean, you can almost look at it and feel like it uh, in the same way that you do when they play or were supposed to play UConn or Georgia Southern. Uh, I mean, that's the kind of game that this can serve as right before the bye week. So, um Definitely a get-right game, one that if I were you, like I said, I had a fan text into the radio show that was worried about this one because of recent history. Um, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be at all if I were you. Um, This is not at all James Franklin's Vanderbilt. Um, Not even close. So, And we'll see if this week has been a distraction at all. Uh, how well prepared they are to play this game because Vanderbilt will lay down if you punch them in the mouth early. They've done it uh, a couple of times uh, this season. They've only played a few games, but um, they have gotten punched in the mouth and kind of laid down. And so if they come out sharp and execute early, then uh, they'll cruise. And that's something to keep an eye on. I think if you're looking for any kind of key to this game, it's do they come out sharp or was this officiating thing and fine story a distraction uh, for them Uh, I don't think it will be but interested to see how that plays out and then finally some uh, not so good news on the Ole Miss front Um, TMZ reporting that Terrence Davis was involved in an altercation with um, a female they're calling ex-girlfriend um he, he was arrested, according to TMZ, in, uh, in Manhattan, New York, and uh, one of the arrests was for assault. So, um, not good at all, obviously. I mean, you know, there's your, here's your take of the day, that that's not good. It's more than that. Um, if it is true, if this did happen, um, hopefully he gets the, uh, the help that he needs uh, to... Uh, solve that, but that's um, it's really unfortunate, and it sucks that uh, that that happened, and um, possibly uh, his NBA career is over. I mean, he was um, a guy that was coming off the bench while he was very good. He was certainly not a starter or, or somebody that teams need. Uh, decent role player, pretty good role player as a rookie off the bench, and um, yeah. I mean, that might be it for him uh, in the NBA, uh, barring uh, some kind of clearance, uh, maybe, I don't know. I mean, it, I guess it does happen from time to time where stories like this, uh, as reported by TMZ, maybe not 100% accurate. You hope that is the case, of course, but 
Uh, TMZ is reporting that she was taken to the hospital after um, swelling and pain in her left eye. Um, so, not good. Uh, not good at all. Um, and to look at it from, from an old Miss perspective, um, one thing that they've battled in recruiting is not having any kind of NBA presence, and, and Davis was that... You know, that foot in the door on putting guys in the NBA and, ha and having them be impactful, and now they're back to square one. Because I, uh, barring uh, some kind of change in this story or it being not true or something like that, he's likely done. And uh, it's sad that this happened, and it's a shame, um, but it's just something that, again, here's more breaking news that you just can't do. Um, it's, it's, if it's true, it's, it's gross and it can't happen. So, um, you know, hopefully he, he does get the help he needs to, if this is true, um, to, to fix this. That's, um, that's all you can hope for because this is just, it should never happen. If, if the reporting is true, this should just never happen. Um, and, uh, it's a shame really. It is a shame. So, Promising NBA career potentially gone, uh, and and you just you hate that the situation occurred. But on a superficial, um, much less important perspective, uh, Ole Miss is kind of back to square one now with uh, presence in the NBA. Uh, so it's another challenge on Kermit Davis. One player doesn't fix anything anyway, but it is something that. Um, that they've got to uh, continue to do if they want to recruit at a high level in, in this era of of college basketball. Uh, they've got to put players in the NBA if they want to continue to get high-profile um, players. And this one, um, possibly, maybe ever so slightly, maybe it doesn't make a difference at all, uh, but possibly has damaged that at least just a little bit. They can't promote the fact that they've got an NBA player anymore. Because that might be done. But anyway, uh, don't forget to follow me on Twitter. Uh, I hope you enjoy what you hear on this podcast every day. Uh, I certainly enjoy doing it. Um, even if you don't agree with me all the time. In fact, I, I, I don't want you to. Because um, I'm not doing my job uh, if you do. But certainly glad you're with me. Hope, uh, hope you enjoy it. Um, the ratings and reviews have been great. Keep leaving those, by the way. Don't forget to subscribe. But leave a rating and a review. Um... That would be greatly appreciated. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Borky. We'll talk to you again on Friday with picks and all that good stuff, a preview of sorts of Ole Miss Vanderbilt and the rest of the slate in the SEC coming up on Saturday. So thank you, as always, for being a part. Really glad you're with me, and I'll talk to you again on Friday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.